Hey everyone, welcome back to Wiki University. I am your professor, Kyle Berseth, and this is the podcast where my student, Jason Nunez, and I connect two, sto- <laughs> two topics? Two, two topics. topics. We're going to connect two topics on this episode of Wiki University. As always, welcome to the podcast. The number one student here at WikiU, and the only student at the moment, Jason Nunez. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, Kyle. And uh, first and foremost, thank you if it's your first time listening. And second, first most, uh, please like and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. And almost more importantly, just tell a friend. All right, Jason, do you want to just dive in here? Are you ready? You ready for class? What's going on? I'm ready for class. I'm kind of getting hungry, which is kind of uh, leads into my topic today. Oh, really? I have. I a... didn't ask yet. Okay. What's your topic today? My topic today is uh, the curse of the colonel. I don't know if you've heard about this ancient curse. Uh, ancient what? KFC curse. Oh, it's that colonel. Yeah. The, you know? Did you know that the C in KFC stands for curse? Uh, I thought it stood for colonel. Kentucky Fried Colonel? Kentucky Fried Colonel. Yeah, they deep fried the colonel, and that's what cursed them. It definitely stands for Kentucky Fried Curse, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, a.k.a. the Curse of the Colonel, an ancient Japanese curse. Ancient Japanese curse? (laughs) I thought the colonel was American. Uh, Yeah, and that's what's so scary to the Japanese. It's, (laughs) It's a white colonel haunting the Japanese. I'd be scared too, and I think I've had a couple run-ins with the with the ghost of the colonel. I oh boy, this better not be a diarrhea story. No, oh a different curse. No, more like a cholesterol curse. Oh. I, I used to go to a KFC uh, pretty much once a weekend. Every Friday was a once KF- a weekend. Yeah, is, is that is that a lot? That's a lot of fried chicken, I think. So I used to do the old Fridays. Uh, was was curse of the colonel day on in my in my household, and uh, but no, I'm I'm I I don't know too much about this topic. I I touched on it briefly through my perusing of the internet, Peruvian perusing, perusing of the inter- of the yeah. internet, and uh, so yeah, you want you want to take it from there? What's what's your topic for today? Sure. So it is St. Patrick's Day. It's my people's day. Okay, I didn't know you're Irish. I thought you were just white. Yeah, I'm Irish. Okay. As it turns out. And I was always curious about the Blarney Stone, which I know nothing about. No idea. Is that like, um, is that where the sword is stuck in? No, there's no sword in it, but I know you kiss it. You got to make out with this stone. And I think it's like good luck. It's maybe you get the luck of the Irish. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, the Irish people known for their luck. Known for their (laughs) luck. They're lucky that they got away from that potato famine. Uh, what I find, what I just heard, I've I've only, funny enough, recently heard of this Blarney Stone. You were reading ahead? I was, re- I re- oh. no, recently, not today. In yeah, the, in I, the pro- no, I, I read it. outside of this no, podcast. No, I don't like I'm on my third that. book this year. I'm, I'm going into a, a nice landing uh, average of uh, a book a month. So Oh, third book this year. Third book this year. On a few podcasts back, you said it's the fifth book of your life, so... I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought we talked, touched on that last podcast. We touched. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, what was I getting to? Something about the Blarney Stone. You were doing oh, all I recently sorts of came research. Ac- no, I recently just came across the Blarney Stone. I didn't know much of it, but all I heard of is this tourist. It's the biggest tourist attraction in Ireland, I believe, or biggest. one of the biggest. Well, it's got to be Ireland. one of the biggest. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't care for the, the Ireland. and The Ireland? Yeah. <laughs> Especially for the stone. Apparently, okay. What I heard is, is that all these, you know, the Irish, the Irish, uh, uh, unadulterated teen youths out there, they okay. are the unhinged out there, the youth, the unhinged Irish youth. Apparently, you heard it here first. Apparently, what they do is to dick over all these tourists. Is they go, you know, at late hours, off hours, and just okay. like piss all over the stone and stuff because they know people go there specifically to kiss it. So you're saying that these Irish teens break into a castle. Yeah, the unhinged, the not un- all Irish teens. The unhinged youth of Ireland yeah. break into a castle. Yes. Oh, it's inside of a castle? It's inside. So they storm. Hey, good for them. They yeah. storm, storm the a castle, castle yeah. and pee on the stone. Yeah, I can believe that. I, I've heard worse of the youth doing. You can't just say you can believe that. This was 
what you said is happening. Yeah, it you're was, backtracking pretty quickly there. No, it was on an article of uh, KFC Weekly. <laughs> That's where you get all your. That's news. where you get all my news. The Colonel. <laughs> But no, I believe you can't. You, you don't think that's true. You don't think. No, I think you're full of shit. But also, in the time of COVID now, why would you go to a place where multiple people touch and kiss and grope? I mean, my God, Jason, COVID spread through the lungs, not through the lips. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I thought COVID was a sexually transmitted disease, oh, and kissing, no. as we all know, is <laughs> the gateway to sex. <laughs> Kissing is sex. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So do you want to start with the curse of the colonel and go to the Blarney Stone? Or do you want to start with the Blarney Stone and go to the curse of the colonel? I feel like both these things are like on the same level of Wikipedia, like the same plane of like. Yeah. Kind of. I don't know. Like like odd mystery, like uh, almost a little like. I don't know, like... Uh, uh, it's like folklore. Yes, yes, it became folklore. Yeah, which obviously the curse of the colonel a lot more rapidly <laughs> than uh, the Blarney Stone. But uh, tell me more about the Blarney Stone, though. All you said was that it was your it was your your topic and that was inside of a castle. Well, geez. Is it a stone? <laughs> you couldn't even let me get words out. Is it a stone? I believe it's a stone, and it's part of a castle, and people have to, like... They have to, like, lay on their back and pull themselves through under this wall to kiss the stone. You got to get in a kind of a precarious position. Okay. So it's like a slide. You kind of slide underneath it? You slide underneath. You kind of go, like, get a little. kiss up. You slide under, kiss up. Like a little upskirt action. uh, Yeah. You're right? An up blarney. An up (laughs) blarney. That's what they call upskirts in Ireland. Yo, that's kind of... um all right, I can get into it. If they have me on my back kissing something. Yeah, and that's not all. I mean, while your head's under there, you don't even know what's going on with your legs. Meaning? Let your imagination run wild, Jason. But where, So where? what's its origins? Like, what? what is it? Uh, who blessed it that is so lucky? Hey, man, I don't know. I mean, I... I well, you're the teacher. I am the teacher, and usually I have topics that I want people to learn about, but this is a topic I want to learn about. I see. It's a selfish day for me and my people. Sure. Yeah. Why not take another selfish day? What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> oh, you know what your people did. The Irish? You yeah. said they have no luck. <laughs> I think you're confusing the Irish with the English. The English are the ones with no luck? No, the English are the ones that their people did a lot. Yeah, they created their own luck. Oh, yeah, they manifested <laughs> their own luck. So where do you want to start here, Jason? Curse of the Colonel or Blarney Stone? I'm excited to get to the Colonel. Like, I'm excited to dive in more into the Colonel. So I say we start with Blarney and then, you know. Here we go. Let's do it. The Blarney Stone is a block of carbon fiber. uh, What's that word? Which one? Carboniferous. Carboniferous yeah. limestone built into the battlements of Blarney Castle. Blarney, about eight kilometers or five miles from Cork, Ireland, according to legend, kissing the stone endows the kisser with the gift of gab. The stone was set into a tower of the castle in 1446. The castle is a popular tourist site in Ireland, attracting visitors from all over the world to kiss the stone and tour the castle and its gardens. Real quick, go up uh, real quick. You you skimmed over the part of what the what the gift of the gab is. Oh, I assumed everyone knew what gift of gab is. No. You're not familiar with gift of gab? Get out of here. No. Get out of here, Jason. Never no, heard of leave. It. Who's, who's Gabriella? Gabriella? The gift of gab, as it says here, is great eloquence or skill at flattery. Hmm, okay. But so I would that say it's describes even... the Irish people? I haven't met a eloquent nor flattering Irishman or Irish woman. Well, I haven't met an eloquent or flattery Peruvian person. Yeah, but there isn't a stone in Peru claiming that everyone isn't who kisses there, it. Isn't there, Jason? No. Isn't there? No, there isn't. It's just some... gold there. <laughs> old, old, buried gold. <laughs> there was gold That there. we'll never touch again. <laughs> anyway... 
I'm surprised you haven't heard of the gift of gab, but I would say it's a little broader than just the skill of flattery. I'd say it's also the ability to deceive people to like walk into a room and talk to anyone. Okay. And be like the center of attention or not even the center of attention, but someone that is able to, you know, move about a room and really be comfortable gabbing away to people. Sure. And that's the gift of gab. Okay. No, I've never heard of it. Where's aside from this, where would I find the gift of gab? What's another way to obtain local grocery store? Oh, okay. Yeah. On sale? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on sale? No. The gift of gab doesn't go on sale. You gotta talk your way into the sale. What what other legends And um, then you shall have the gift. What can I do? What other legends um does the gift of gab come from? Like a The curse from? of the colonel. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be great. What do you mean? What other legends does you mean? How else can you attain yes. the gift of gab? Uh, probably by ta- taking a class, a speech class okay. at any local community college or university. So the gift of ga- gab is so solely comes from this stone. That's where its uh, origin is from. It's legend, Jason. What's legend? The gift of. What gab? do you mean? You like, kiss the stone. I'm, just, I'm asking about like you kiss the stone, and the kisser gets the gift of gab. I'm asking about and is COVID. it chicken or the egg kind of thing, where it's like oh, was okay. the stone first, and the stone led to people getting the gift of gab, or the gift of gab was already uh, uh, a thing. And hey, guess what? When you kiss the stone, you'll get the gift of gab. That's what I'm asking. Ah, well. Yes, I would say the gift of gab did not exist before the year 1446 when this stone, this random stone that they found in a field, was installed in this castle. Okay. Prior to that, people couldn't speak to each other. That's, that's, that was a silent era. Exactly. Okay. Well, now I wrap my head around that. Yeah. I th- we can move <laughs> now forward. Now it's perfectly clear, yeah. I'm sure. The word blarney has come to mean clever, flattering, or coaxing talk. Irish politician John O'Connor Power defined it in this way. Blarney is something more than mere flattery. It is flattery sweetened by humor and favored by wit. Those who mix with Irish folk have many examples of it in their everyday experience. Yo, of course that politician won. His last name is O'Connell Power. <laughs> O'Connell Power, Like, yeah. that's amazing. That's like saying Irish Power. Of course he's going <laughs> to win. He's out there saluting because his last name is Irish Power. Irish Power. Jesus. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. He didn't need the gift of God. He just needed his fucking last name. Do you want to... See the origins here, or we could go to legend or the ritual of making out with the stone. Yeah, let's go. Different the ri- Disney movie ritual. Let's let's do ritual. All right, ritual. We're skipping the origins. The rit- oh, whoa, that reminds me yeah. of the guillotine episode. Uh, oh my god, that guy's head is. For our listeners, the person's almost tilted backwards, where it looks like he's decapitated, but he's trying to get underneath the stone, getting help by another old man. I wish there was an image where it kind of circled which stone it is because it looks like, based on this picture, people have been kissing a pretty broad area. You know how you rub a copper statue and there's like the gold finger or something? No. Or I... a bronze statue? Is it copper or bronze? Anyway, you you see metal statues like you used to see it in D.C. a lot Okay, where there is people can touch it. And especially hands, like if there's a hand that's pointing, they touch the finger, and the finger is gold. Like fading or something. It's usually bright colored, where the rest of the statue has a patina. And in this case, you can kind of... A patina? In this case, do you you know what a patina is? (laughs) We should have gone straight to that. In this case, the stone is kind of darker, like it's covered with human spit. Whereas the yes. stone around it is just dry, a little more dry. Yeah, a little drier. Yeah, a little more. Uh, you can tell it's. It just looks like it's an original brick. Exactly. But uh, but yeah, and also the name Blimey makes me Blarney. Think, Blarney, sorry, but it makes me think. <laughs> but Blimey. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. It makes me think of something slimy, though. It makes me think like Blarney. Bl- is I can sli- see like, how Blimey makes you think of that, but Blarney. It just makes me think like. Something is dripping from there. Mm. Blarmy. Like, what's all that 
That's the goop. It's that's, all, oh, it's all blarmy. That's the gab. That's all the blarmy there. That's all the gab on there, man. You're getting it. Mm. I don't want to get it through the mouth, though. Get it and give it. Can I get it somewhere else? No, you can only get the gift of gab through the mouth. So what's the ritual? The ritual of kissing the Blarney Stone, according to the castle's proprietors, has been performed by millions of people, including world statesmen, literary giants, and legends of the silver screen. The kiss, however, is not casually achieved. To touch the stone with one's lips, the participant must ascend to the castle's peak, then lean over backwards on the parapet's edge. This is traditionally achieved with the help of an assistant, although the parapet is now filled with wrought iron guide rails and protective crossbars, the ritual can still trigger attacks of acrophobia. What's acrophobia? Fear of heights? Extreme or irrational fear or phobia of heights. Okay, yeah, I could see how you'd be worried about falling through the hole. Before the safeguards were installed, the kiss was performed with the real risk to life and limb as participants were grasped by their ankles <laughs> and dangled bodily from the height. It doesn't say what the height is. Was the ritual dying as well? Uh, but some people must have gotten accidentally let go, right? I don't know. I I hope so. I mean, you that would so. make it more interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, they didn't get the gift of gab. Maybe on their way down, they were like, For like screaming flatteries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, got like a, got a phone number on the way down. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, that's quick moves. In the Sherlock's home, in the Sherlock Holmes radio demonstrate. Uh, ooh, let's skip that sentence. It was in Sherlock Holmes. Dramatization. Dramatization. <laughs> <laughs> The Adventure of the Blarney Stone, first broadcast in March 1946. A man attempting to kiss the Blarney Stone falls to his death. There you go. Holmes' investigation reveals this as a murder, the man's boots having been surreptitiously greased before the attempt. Ah, greased boots. It's a classic killer's (laughs) method. So, So wait, was the inside of the boots greased or the outside? Because he would slip out of the boots if the inside of the boots were greased. In my head, it was that the inside of the boots were greased. Okay, so the boots are just hanging. We got to hear this episode. This is a radio broadcast. Yeah. No, it's a radio dramatization. Oh, dramatization. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't make me say that word. It is claimed that the synonymy of Blarney with empty flattery or beguiling talk derives from one of two sources. One story involves the goddess of something and Cormac McCarthy, not the author. Another legend suggests that Queen Elizabeth I requested Cormac McCarthy, the Lord of Blarney, to be deprived of his traditional land rights. Cormac traveled to see the queen, but was certain he would not persuade her to change her mind as he wasn't an effective speaker. He met an old woman on the way uh, who told him, boy, I could use the gift of reading here, who told him that anyone who kissed a particular stone in Blarney Castle would be given the gift of eloquent speech. Cormac went on to persuade the queen that he should not be deprived of his land. So it worked. According to tradition at Texas Tech University, a stone fragment on display since 1939 outside the old electrical engineering building is a missing piece of the Blarney Stone. How this was determined is unknown. All right, that's pretty much the article. How old was the queen when uh, he uh, swindled her? (laughs) When he swindled her for his own land? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, Queen Elizabeth I... She because if she was like an old queen, it was just like, come on, man. She wasn't an old queen. I mean, she died at 69, so she couldn't have, you know, 69 back then was like still 105, still hilarious. Oh, yeah, that's true, though. Yeah, that's super old for um, back then. Okay, all right, so where do you want to go here? We're trying to get to the curse of the colonel, so maybe something like. The gift of the gab. Then. The gift of the gab. Yeah, there's got to be more stuff in there. No, silver tongue is a C also from gift of gab. Ooh, uh, let's go on sil- silver tongue. All right. Sil- ah, jeez, what is this Come taking on. to? I this is the worst. It's taking to us to like. It's pretty much a uh, 
A dictionary. Yeah, that's right. what it was actually. It took us to the Wikipedia. The dictionary, Wikipedia dictionary. Which that's not what we're about. Which we're is about a place. The Wikipedia. The ex. The what is? <laughs> I was about to call it the Expedia of words. <laughs> Wikipedia. Encyclopedia. The Expedia of words. Dot <laughs> com. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we could go to. Oh, I see the Battle, Battle of, of yeah. Bannockburn. You want to go to that? Yeah. The Battle of Bannockburn on the 23rd and 24th of June, 1314, was a victory of the army of King of Scots Robert the Bruce from Braveheart over the army of King Edward II of England in the First War of, the, of Scottish Independence. This is Braveheart. Robert the Bruce of, of Braveheart Robert and the King Bruce. Edward II of England. Whoa. Yeah, this I bet is, that's awesome that back then they knew him as Robert the Bruce from Braveheart. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Although it did not bring an end to the war, as victory would only be secured 14 years later, Bannockburn is still a major landmark in Scottish history. King Edward II invaded Scotland after Bruce demanded in 1313 that all supporters still loyal to ousted Scottish king John Beloyal acknowledged Bruce as their king or lose their lands. Man, a lot of fighting over lands back then. Big. That was the big thing back then. Now it's what? Oil? Mineral rights. Land still. Oil. Still land, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Because all those things are inland. Um, the Scottish army was divided into three divisions, Commanded by Bruce, his brother Edward Bruce, and his nephew, the Earl of Moray. Edward Bruce Bruce. (laughs) After Robert Bruce killed Sir Henry de Bon on the first day of the battle, the English... Do you think... When did they decide, like, all right, this is going to be a two-day battle. Let's, uh, Let's all take the night and come back tomorrow. Like, did... Or does it just keep going? Well, back then, weren't there, like contracts like written up and like you know this is when we attack and then this is when you i don't know that it was quite that orchestrated i think that was more like the colonial times i don't think even then (laughs) then then i have no idea i don't know i'm not one for war one of your topics one time was the battle of tsushima yeah (laughs) that was that was a war yeah, but I just mean the the ins and outs. Oh, you're, yeah, you're not an expert on military strategy. I'm no, I'm no expert. I'm a mere um, audience member, a spectator to the great sport of war. Most medieval battles were short lived, lasting only a few hours. So the Battle of Bannockburn is unusual in that it lasted two days. On June twenty third, thirteen fourteen, two English cavalry formations advanced. The first one uh, was commanded by some dude uh, and by some other dude. They encountered a body of Scots led by Robert the Bruce. Bruce and some other dude, nephew of the Earl of something, faced off in what would become a celebrated instance of single combat. Bond charged at Bruce, and when the two passed side by side, Bruce split Bond's head with his axe. Whoa, death by axe on horseback? That's badass. That is badass. Do you hang on to the axe when you split it? Like, is it is it like a baseball bat where you split then? You might you, you might twist your uh, your shoulder at that point. I'm wondering, right? I mean, if it's if you hit him strong enough, where it's like yeah, stuck in the where skull, it gets lodged. Yeah. I've hit some pieces of wood, and it's like sometimes you're pulling it out. Don't pull out. The Scots then rushed the English forces under Gloucester's and uh, the other dude's command who retreated, struggling back over the Bannockburn. We never discovered what a Bannockburn is. Anyway, the second English cavalry force was commanded by a dude and a dude. Their forces included uh, some dude and some father, uh, blah, blah, blah. This other guy described the battle. That's too long. Let's get to the second day of the battle. During the night, the English forces crossed the stream known as the Bannockburn, establishing their position on the plain beyond it. So it sounds like maybe everyone decided, all right, we're going to go to bed. And then the English, like, untucked their blankets, packed up, and creeped. They're, they un, they unsewed their, their 
what is it called? Like nut sacks or something? They're not. Oh, didn't they? I'm well, sorry. <laughs> explain the. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so for in my wait, head. Wait, you don't know a lot about military strategy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the in, selling of the nut sacks. In my head, you once you said Braveheart, I had Mel Gibson stuck in my head. Uh-huh. But I'm thinking Mel Gibson from The Patriot, not Mel Gibson from Braveheart. So I keep thinking Colonial War. Yeah, and I keep thinking where the scene was in the Patriot where they were sewing nutsacks. Yeah, they're like, there's a whole uh, you get you get uh, in a nutsack when he wait, when, when, sleep- when Heath Ledger was consummating yes. his marriage. No, he wasn't consummating. That's oh, the thing. Wa- they weren't. Oh, they weren't married yet. They were trying to keep him from right. consummating. Right, right. Which I guess meant you know, in war, you don't really need that. But yeah, classic, th- classic Englishman. I don't think the soldiers were trying to deflower each other at night. You don't know that. I don't know it. I just said I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. In the morning, the Scots advanced from New Park. Not long after daybreak, Edward was surprised to see the Scottish pikemen emerge from the cover of the woods and advance towards his position. As Bruce's army drew nearer, they paused and knelt in prayer. Edward reportedly said in surprise, they pray for mercy, for mercy, yes. One of his attendants replied, but from God, not you. These men will conquer or die. That's crazy that there are people advancing from the woods and they're like, we should pray. (laughs) We should probably pray for them, for their mercy. The Earl of Gloucester had argued with the other dude over who should lead the vanguard into battle. He had also tried to persuade the king that the battle should be postponed. This led the king to accuse him of cowardice. Goaded by the accusation, the Earl of Gloucester advanced to meet the Scots. Few accompanied Gloucester, and when he reached the Scottish lines, he was quickly surrounded and killed. God, he just got, like, taunted. He, the he <laughs> the other dude was it. like, pussy, yeah. pussy, pussy. And then he just was like, I'll show you. I'll show you. And he didn't show him. I mean, he showed them. Yeah. <laughs> showed them his split head. Yeah. The English were gradually pushed back and ground down by the Scots. What is this word? Skil- Shiltrons? Never seen it. Shiltrons. Shiltrons? A shiltron is a compact Shiltrin. body of troops forming a battle array, shield wall, or another unknown word. The Flanks. Eng- Flanks. The English longbowmen attempted to support the advance of the knight, knights, but were ordered to stop shooting as they were causing casualties among their own. So the Scots won that one. The Scots won that one, and they were like, we are on our way to freedom, and 14 years later, they had it. So, But it was the English who were trying to get one up on them, right? It was the English who started first, who 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 said, "Hey, let's take a break," but then kept an eye open, say, "Let's let's go, let's go." Yeah, let's, let's keep going. And it was the English invading Scotland to begin with. But Scots, uh, okay, they st- stood their ground. I love it. Look at this, though. I didn't know this. The defeat. This is like the sequel to Braveheart. Here, the defeat of the English opened up the north of England to Scottish raids and allowed the Scottish invasion of Ireland. I didn't know the Scots invaded Ireland when the Ireland, is there like an Irish Braveheart? Possible. I mean, so down in the arts under this, Scots Waha, which sounds like something like a Wawa. Uh, it's a song. Is the title of a patriotic poem by Robert Burns. The chorus of Scotland's unofficial national anthem, Flower of Scotland, refers to Scotland's victory over Edward and the English at Bannockburn. Many artworks depict the battle, blah, blah, blah. Let's see what else. That's the end of the article here. All right, we got to find something else here. Okay, well, I think... Uh, Go to Colonel. <laughs> Oh, there's got to be a colonel in war. Yeah, right? there's got to be a colonel in war. But I don't know. These were all like. Did the Scots have colonels? The Maybe. Duke of something. Right. I don't think they had colonels back then. Let's just go to something that pops out at us. What's Sterling Castle? Oh, Sterling Castle. All right. Let's go to Sterling Castle. Maybe it's haunted. Okay. Mm. Hopefully. Stirling Castle, located in Stirling, is one of the largest and most important castles in Scotland, both historically and architecturally. The castle sits atop Castle Hill, an intrusive crag which forms part of the Stirling Sill geological formation. 
It is surrounded on three sides by steep cliffs, giving it a strong defensive position, its strategic location guarding what was, until 1890s, the furthest downstream crossing of the River Forth, has made it an important fortification in the region from the earliest times. Most of the principal buildings of the castle date from the 15th and 16th century. A few structures remain from the 14th century. That's a big castle. Let's see the Great Hall. That is a great hall. Pretty big. Look at all that woodwork. Vaulted ceilings. Big fan. Big fan of vaulted ceilings? Oh, yeah. On the east side of the inner close is the Great Hall, or Parliament Hall. This was built by James... What's the IV? The sixth IV or the or the fourth? Mm-hmm. Following, you're my Roman numeral correspondent. Sweet, I was in a Roman fraternity. Oh, really? Yeah. Which one? But I still went Greek. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Described as the grandest secular building erected in Scotland in the late Middle Ages. It's getting pretty specific there. It re- represents the first example of Renaissance influenced royal architecture in that country. It was worked on by a number of English craftsmen and, and incorporates some English design ideas being comparable to Edward the Fourth. Fourth's mm-hmm. Hall at Eltham Palace in Kent, built in the late 1470s. It includes Renaissance details such as the intersecting tracery on the windows with a conventional medieval plan. Inside are five fireplaces. That's a lot of fireplaces. It is 42 by 14.25 meters across. The original hammer Hammer beam beam roof was removed in 1800 along with the decorative... mm, Crenellated? Crenellated. What's that mean? Let's hover. Crenellated, a battlement in defensive architecture such... Oh, like the Great Wall of China. Yeah, the example appears to be the Great Wall of China. So it's a big wall. Hey, there's Gothic. Gothic, you can get a lot of curses and Gothic uh, lore, Gothic lore, right? We could also get to the curse of... Gothic might go into... I knew it. It was going to go into architecture. It took us to Gothic architecture. Oh, but Gothic art. Then there's Gothic art. Mm, all right, we'll go to Gothic art, which I still think is rims the architecture. Okay, so the curse of the colonel, though—that's baseball related. No, nah, that's chicken related. I think it's baseball related from the brief amount that uh, I read. I think it's—I um, believe it was a. Uh, 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 the curse fell on a sports team. That is correct. I think so. Okay, yeah. a Japanese baseball team. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one, but we could also get to baseball rather than curses. Yeah, yes. All right, or we could also get to KFC, I feel like. Oh, yeah, right? we could get to KFC. Wow. The options are endless here. Okay, Gothic art is a style of medieval art that developed in northern France out of Romanesque art in the 12th century A.D., led by the concurrent development of Gothic architecture. It spread all over Western Europe and much of northern, southern, and central Europe, never quite effacing more classical styles in Italy. In the late 14th century, the sophisticated court style of international Gothic developed, which continued to evolve until the late 15th century in many areas, especially Germany. Late Gothic art continued well into the 16th century before being subsumed into Renaissance art. Okay. That's crazy. The ver- if you go up a little bit, it says yeah. that the Virgin Mary, images of the Virgin Mary changed from Byzantine iconic from form to a more human and affectionate mother. So during this time, it was when she changed with, she threw on that blue that blue blouse that we all know. Wait, that's when? I guess, right? Oh, I thought the Virgin Mary went goth. She painted her fingernails black and uh, started wearing black. And I, th- I think it says images of the Virgin Mary changed they from changed. the Byzantine iconic form to a more human and affectionate mother. I assume the Byzantine iconic form... Oh, I assumed that was like big halo around her. Virgin Mary, here to stay. That was her motto? Yeah. <laughs> she said her own name. She said, Virgin Mary. Hi, I'm Virgin Mary, and I'm here to stay. So get ready. You're all virgins now. 
Whoa, there's the Virgin Mary. She covered in hair? It looks like. Oh, it's like her own hair. Whoa. Oh, wait, that's Gothic Mary Magdalene. Oh, okay. She mm. looks like um, like a Sasquatch. She does look like a thin Sasquatch. Yeah, like a good, like a good, like a Sasquatch you'd find on Tinder. Yeah, they kept it tight. Oh, iconography was affected by changes in theology, with depictions of the Assumption of Mary gaining ground on the older Death of the Virgin, and in devotional practices such as the Devotio Moderna. That's the vaccine I got. Ooh, good. Yeah, the Divotio Moderna, which produced new treatments of Christ in subjects such as... Oh, you got new treatments of Christ. In you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's see here. Wounds of passion. Why does passion have a link? Can you we, can we see that right there? Next Where's year? that? Oh, passion. Mm-hmm. In Christianity, the passion is the short final period in the life of Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. So I believe that was another, speaking of Mel Gibson, didn't he do The Passion of the Christ? I believe he did. I believe there's also a sequel coming out, a squeakle. A squeakle? Yeah. To The Passion of the <laughs> yeah, Christ? Yeah, Where Christ is played by a mouse? Yes. Is that why it's a squeakle? Yes, and he comes back three days later. Mm. As cheese. <laughs> what was the Virgin Mary's motto? I'm here Hi. to stay. Hi, I'm I'm the Virgin Mary, and I'm here to stay. Hey, I'm Jesus. I'm back, and I'm also here to stay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got to move on here. We got to get further away from... Religion? Religion. I don't want to get stuck in a religion hole. We've been there before. Yes, we have. They're hard to come out of. Very hard to come out of. Ooh, stained glass. <laughs> That's as religious as you get. <laughs> I mean, I use, I made stained glass art, and I'm you know not religious. I wasn't, and I was taught in a public school, not a Catholic school. Okay, you want to go to stained glass? Yeah. Oh boy, the term stained glass refers either to colored glass as a material or to works created from it. Throughout its thousand-year history, the term has been applied almost exclusively to the windows of churches and other significant religious buildings. God damn you! Although traditionally made in flat panels and used as windows, the creations of modern stained-glass artists also include three-dimensional structures and sculpture. Let's go to glass production here. During the late medieval period, glass factories were set up where there was a ready supply of silica, the essential material for glass manufacture. Silica requires a very high temperature to melt something not all glass factories were able to achieve. Such materials as potash, soda, and lead can be... Potash. Give me some of that potash. (laughs) Let me get some of that potash, girl. Damn. Trying to make some glass over here. Let me get some potash. (laughs) Give me some of that potash. Mmm. Ooh, muff. Some muff, too. Cyberglass or glass or muff? Where where do you see muff? It's right there. It's in big bold letters. Where's the muff section? The biggest bold letters right there. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Cylinder glass or muff? Yeah. Using a blowtorch, a gather of molten glass. A blowpipe, not blowtorch. Oh, is it blow? I don't know what a blowpipe is. Is it a blowtorch? Using a blowpipe, a gather or of molten glass is taken from the pot heating in the furnace. Have you ever seen someone blow glass? Uh, on the show, Blow Me? I'm not, no, the I'm not ga- fucking with you. The <laughs> Netflix show. I don't know what it's called. It said, like, blow your mind or some shit like that. Okay, so it's, it's not called Blow Me. It's, I'm fairly sure it's something close to Blow Me, but it's a competition reality show of uh, glass, glass makers, blowers, glass blowers. I can't believe that's a show. Oh, it's fucking awesome. I really? Love it. Yeah, yeah. Really? It's fucking awesome. Yep, I love it. All right, everybody. It's a really fun show. Season two, out on Netflix now. Everybody tune in to Blow Me yeah. on Netflix. Just type in Blow Me on Google. And it'll come up. Yeah. <laughs> Google Go Blow Me. Images. <laughs> Using metal tools, molds of wood that have been soaking in water and gravity, the gather is manipulated to form a long cylindrical shape. Soaking in gravity? Soaking in water and gravity. Sorry, I might have missed a word there, but... Wood that have been soaking in water and gravity 
<laughs> Sorry, it's it's worded a little weird. It is right, but it they're using like mm-hmm. metal tools, molds of wood that have been soaking in water and mm-hmm. gravity. Right. The wood has also been soaking in gravity because it's just there. It's just there. Once brought to the desired size, it is left to cool. One side of the cylinder is opened. It is put into another oven to quickly heat and flatten it, and then placed into an annealer to cool it at a controlled rate, making the material more stable. Hand-blown cylinder, also called muff glass, and crown glass were the types used in ancient stained glass windows. Stained glass windows were normally in churches and chapels and religious places. Soda lime glass, what's that? Hmm. You want to go to soda lime glass? Let's do it. Soda, they sell that at fast food places. Well played, Jason. That's, all right, now we're getting somewhere. I like where your head's at. I'm thinking. Soda lime glass is also called soda lime silica glass. It is the most prevalent type of glass used for window panes and glass containers, bottles and jars for beverages, food, and some commodity items. Some glass bakeware is made of soda lime glass as opposed to the more common bro- borosilicate glass. I'd rather do soda lime glass, too, because it's just easier to say. Soda lime glass accounts for about 90% of manufactured glass. Let's get down to beverages and try... I assume beverages is in here, right? Uses? It's it's not. Ooh, let's go to glass recycling. Let's do it. I'm, I am curious. How, how do you, how do you, re- you recycle I, glass here? You... Throw it in the uh, recycle bin, correct? Me personally? Yeah. No, I've been bringing all my glass bottles here to your apartment and leaving them. But I've been putting it in the recycle bin. So. Oh, good. So that's what then you're doing. Then, yes, I have okay. been doing that. Because I did look it up. It says you can do that. Bring them here. Bring them here. To Bring drop them, to my them off house at your place. And then take and then put, throw it in the recycle bin. Perfect. So I've been doing that. All right. Glass recycling is the processing of waste glass into usable products, glass that is crushed or imploded. And ready to be remelted. Okay, so they remelt it. To be able to use external color in production, any... What does that mean? What's color? I don't even know what that is. I don't know. Any contaminants should be removed as much as possible. Typical contaminations are organics, paper, plastics, caps, rings... PVB foils and f- for flat glass, inorganic stone, ceramic porcelains, metals, heat resistant, and lead glass. Manpower or machinery can be used in different stages of purification. Since they melt at higher temperatures than glass, separation of inorganics, the removal of heat res- resistant glass, and lead glass is critical. See, I always kind of thought they got a big factory. They're melting it all down. Anything that's not glass just gets burned. And anything that doesn't get burned just kind of gets mixed into the new glass. You think they have like a giant sifter and they just sift all the the stuff out? The bad stuff? I the guess ceramics, they could the crush the gr- glass enough that it gets sifted. I don't know. I, I do enjoy the little recycle man symbol. It's funny that it's called um, tidy man. It's a tidy man symbol. There's no link to it, unfortunately, but I didn't know it had a name. I didn't know it had a name either. Yeah, so when you see the little recycling triangle, but there's a person in it. Putting a glass. That's a tidyman. Into a container. Yeah. Okay. It's to show you that, hey, it's it's intended to encourage recycling. Yeah, I mean, it's tidyman. Tidyman. Yeah, if they had a cape (laughs) on them, that would encourage even more people to recycle, including kids. I think so because they everybody wants to see themselves as the hero. Oh, you yeah, are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. I'm okay, serious, yeah. Jason. Everyone wants to be the goddamn hero. It'll kill people to be the hero. Oh boy, I am curious about this. Okay, glass aggregate, a mix of colors crushed into a small size, is substituted for pea gravel or crushed rock in many construction and utility projects, saving municipalities such as the city of Tumwater, Washington Public Works, thousands of dollars depending on the size of the project. Glass aggregate is not sharp to handle. In many cases, the State Department of Transportation has specifications for use size and percentage of 
quantity for use. Common applications are as pipe bedding placed around sewer, stormwater, or drinking water pipes to transfer weight from the surface and protect the pipe. Another common use is as fill to bring the level of concrete floor even with the foundation. Hey, that's pretty interesting. All right, but we got to move on here. You heard it here first. Protect the pipe. Yeah. Ooh, all right. I do see shopping centers here, Jason. We could get to shopping centers, food court, fast food, KFC. Oh, shopping centers are known for their food court. All right, let's go. What was your favorite uh, food court um, uh, fast food restaurant at your local uh, mall? That's a tough question. I think like the one that stands out when I was real young, like barely had a memory, is Orange Julius. Okay. Does that ring a bell? Yes, yes. I only went there a handful of times. Same. It was not good. I think it was an orange juice-based fast food It was just orange, right? It was Everything (laughs) was just orange. I'm just like, there's other places where I can get a papaya mango. Right. And why am I coming here just for oranges? I, I don't know, but it's sticks out in my head for whatever reason i remember in orange julius my personal favorite when i was young was the manchu walk i don't know if you remember i am that. not familiar that with is, the man that is the asian that is basically what it what is now panda express but it was called manchu walk the homie would be out there with the little sticks yeah oh my god Classic. and you were like me man me too <laughs> yeah and then i was like hey i'm a tidy man as well and i recycle that toothpick hell yeah yeah The first known collections of retailers under one roof are public markets dating back to ancient times and Middle Eastern covered markets. The Middle Easterns. The first ones to go to the mall. Let's get an Orange Julius in here (laughs) while we're at it. Cool us down. What was the name of your mall? Christiana Mall. Come again? Christiana Mall. Say it without the mall. Christiana. Christiana. Is that the city that it was in? Uh, Christiana is, it's not the city, but it's town area. I don't know what, it, I think it's a river actually, but okay. yeah, it's kind of an area cause there's like, mm, I don't know why. How do you I say it again? Christi- Christiana. Christi- it just sounds like it's going to be Christianity. Christianity Christiana mall. mall. Christiana mall. A shopping mall is a type of shopping center, a North American a term originally meaning a pedestrian promenade with shops along it but in the late 1960s began to be used as a generic term for large shopping centers anchored by department stores, especially in closed centers. Okay, do you want to go to shopping mall and maybe get to food court and get to fast food? Yeah. And we really might just have to gloss over some of this stuff here. Oh, mall design probably, right? Probably. High land prices in populous cities have led to the concept of the vertical mall in which space allocated to retail is configured over a number of stories accessible by elevators and escalators. The concept of a vertical mall was originally conceived in the late 1960s by the Mafco Company, former shopping center development division of Marshall Field and Company, the Water Tower Place skyscraper in Chicago, Illinois, was built. Oh, that building's fascinating. I, if I think it's the one where their whole pitch was, you never have to leave the building. It's your apartment is above a shopping mall that has everything you could ever want. Wow, that's a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> it's just to be yeah. food court. Here we go. To be stuck in like you know a one block like little city basically. Yeah, it's let like, me just that happens to be pretty much just a store. Hover over the water tower place is a large urban mixed use development, shopping mall, hotel, theater, and condominiums. Ooh, yeah. it does have everything. It has it all. Seventy four uh, floors. Okay. Food, Do you want to go to Ford Food Court? Okay. Or there was fast food in there too. Oh, where? Let's go to fast food. Where's fast food? Oh. A common feature of a shopping mall is a food court. This typically consists of a number of fast food vendors. Ooh, all right. We're on fast food. Fast food. Should we just go to find KFC here? Whoa, pre-industrial old world. I do want to know about old fast food. Old fast food. In the cities of Roman antiquity, much of the urban population living in Multi-story apartment blocks depended on food vendors for much of their meals. The forum itself served as a marketplace where Romans could 
purchase baked goods and cured meats. I think you would love the Roman Forum, Jason. In the mornings, bread soaked in wine was eaten as a quick snack and cooked vegetables and stews later in Papinia, a simple type of eating establishment. Okay, I see a picture here. Look at this. All right. Neighboring fast food restaurant advertisement signs in Bowling Green, Kentucky for Wendy's, KFC, Crystal, and Taco Bell. Do you want to go to KFC? Yeah. I bet we could. Ooh. It's got to be here. I mean, it's got to be in the sea also. How can you have a whole, uh, well, although it could be negative press. They could have hire somebody to take it out of Wiki. You think KFC, no, Wiki does not, Wiki KFC? is an authentic KFC money. source Come of on, knowledge. Man. KFC money. All right. KFC, also known as Kentucky Fried Chicken. The C stands for chicken, oh, Jason. Shit. Not Colonel or Curse. What was it? Was it was Curse. It was Curse. Is an American fast food restaurant chain headquartered in Louisville, Kentucky that specializes in fried chicken. It is the world's second largest restaurant chain after McDonald's. Huh. I, I wouldn't have expected that, the honestly. Colonel? Hell yeah. But it's good chicken. It's great chicken. The chain is a subsidiary of Yum! Brands, a restaurant company that also owns Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, and Wing Street chains. Never heard of Wing Street. KFC was founded by Colonel Harlan Sanders, an entrepreneur who began selling fried chicken from his roadsides restaurant in Corbin, Kentucky during the Great Depression. Let's go to Colonel uh, Harlan Sanders. I like it. Let me just finish reading a little bit about him. Sanders identified the potential of the restaurant franchising concept and the first Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise opened in Utah in 1952. Not in Kentucky? Crazy, right? All right, we're on. <laughs> look at this guy. He oh, looks man. pretty haunting. He, do- he does look haunting. He's in all white. He looks <laughs> like a ghost already. His hair is white. Yeah. His skin is white. I would honestly love to get haunted by a guy that brings chicken, though. That'd be kind of nice. Colonel Harlan David Sanders, born September 9th, 1890, and died December 16th, 1980, was an American businessman known uh, best for founding fast food chicken restaurant KFC and later acting as the company's brand ambassador and symbol. Wow, he's like Batman. He became more than just a person. He became a symbol. Symbol for the future. And obesity. And obesity. (laughs) The title Colonel is a honorific title. So he's not a real colonel. The highest awarded by the Commonwealth of Kentucky and is not a military rank. The governor of Kentucky bestows the honor of a colonel's commission by issuance of letters patent. Patent? I thought it said that the governor keeps trying to reiterate the fact that it's not <laughs> just to a be clear. You're not a position. Yeah, like he just comes in to Kentucky, <laughs> dick swinging, thinking <laughs> saluting that saluting left and just right. saluting left and right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, what do you think? Should we go to legacy death. beyond death? Go to yeah, I want to see right. yeah who he started haunt, uh, hunting hunting Sanders was diagnosed with acute leukemia in June 1980 he died Jesus. at Louisville Jewish Hospital of pneumonia on December 16th 1980 at the age of 90 Damn had leukemia and the and the uh, pneumonia got him I th- I think that's pretty classic <laughs> pneumonia always creeps in there when you're already you got your guard down Sanders has remained uh, had remained active until the month before his death, appearing in his white suit to crowds. His body lay in state in the rotunda of the Kentucky State Capitol in Frankfurt. His body is just chilling in the Capitol. But it's buried. But it's buried. I think late to lay in state. Let me hover over lay in state. Laying in state is the tradition in which the body of a deceased official is placed in a state building either outside or inside a coffin to allow the public to pay their respects. Yo, look, that, now that's a field that's trip. That's a field trip. Yeah, I'll pay my respects. Yeah, I bet that coffin is finger looking good. To the cur- oh, yeah. Now, they sh- now peop- <laughs> people should yeah. be going to the colonel. <laughs> that's the American Blimey Stone. Take, Bl- Blarney. Blarney Stone is uh, the colonel's... Uh, what is it? Chicken wings. Yeah, I bet they 
listed the eleven herbs and spices on the coffin. And you know, he, you know, he got buried in the white suit with a bucket of chicken. I would hope so. Maybe not with the chicken, but I, I would hope so. You would, yeah, <laughs> with a bucket of chicken. Maybe the, with the secret recipe. Ooh, oh, you mean like with the handwritten recipe? Yeah. His, oh, okay. Yeah, that that would be great. Uh, his wife Claudia died on December thirty first, nineteen ninety six, at the age of ninety four. Here you go, Jason. Beyond KFC, the Japanese Nippon Professional Baseball League has developed an urban legend of the curse of the Colonel. Colonel. A statue of Colonel Sanders was thrown. Let's just go to the curse of Wait, the but, Colonel. But okay, or I think we're gonna read yeah, the same yeah. thing. All right, we made it. Just over the nick of time. Perfect timing as always. The curse of the Colonel refers to a 1985 Japanese urban legend regarding a reputed curse placed on the Japanese Kansai-based Hanshin Tigers baseball team by the ghost of deceased KFC founder and mascot, Colonel Sanders. The oh, cur- that was their mascot. That's awesome. Well, no. The, it's oh, KFC no, no, no. founder oh. and mascot. Oh, their mascot was the Tigers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What if their team was the Kansai-based Hanslin Colonel Sanders. I mean, that's that basically is a minor league baseball team. They would name their mascot the Colonel Sanders and have them like racing with chicken, chasing like uh, who's the McDonald's burger guy? The the uh, Mc Hamburglar. The Hamburglar. Yeah, I don't like that guy. Exactly. Neither does the Colonel. That's why they're rivals in minor league baseball. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. The curse was said to be placed on the team because of the colonel's anger over treatment of one of his storefront statues, which was thrown into the Dantabori River by celebrating Hanshin fans before their team's victory in the 1985 Japanese Championship Series. Now, the colonel died in 1980. They're saying he was mad about it. So he was mad in death? Well, no, no, no. The fact that they threw out the statue. Right. The colonel was mad that they threw out his statue. The dead colonel was mad. and decided to curse Uh, the team. Right, okay. I take it as, like, if it would to be, like, I don't know, like a team or or the fans of a team destroyed, I don't know, a statue of, what do you... What are you trying to say? I'm trying to compare it to something. Like if we were, if you know, a sporting team were to do something to a statue, and then from then on they yes. like have a terrible losing streak, and they'll just say like, "Hey, I see that statue of um, Selena." <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, you don't it's, mess with Selena. No, statues. you don't fuck with Selena in the Southwest, <laughs> baby. You don't do that at all. No way. So you fucking You're gonna uh, get cursed. Yeah, you you've uh, vandalized the statue of Selena, and <laughs> she'll curse you up a storm. Oh boy, she's got time. Yeah, and the outfits. And oh boy, a glittery curse. Right. Right. Well, I would say it's kind of similar, maybe to the Chicago Cubs. They had the curse of the Billy Goat. What, did somebody fuck a goat? I want to say, I want to say yes, but I don't think that's it. Okay, they weren't in my fraternity. No, they weren't. You guys were going Greek with goats. Yeah, I believe maybe it's something to the effect of like a guy with a goat wanted to go into the game, and they were like, "You can't bring your goat in here. Get the hell out of here!" And it caused a scene, and then they lost for like the next hundred and ten years or something. Yeah, that was the goat's fault. Um, okay, let's see. But you're right, there's other other baseball stuff that's uh, referred to, like the Curse of the Bambino. Classic. Uh, comparisons are often made between the Hanshin Tigers and the Boston Red Sox, who were said to be under the Curse of the Bambino until they won the World Series in 2004. The Curse of the Colonel has also been used as a boogeyman threat to those who would divulge the secret recipe of 11 herbs and spices that result in the unique taste of his chicken. I like that. I like that the KFC marketing, like, Ter- they played ter- into it. They turned the negative thing, the the negative Japanese media thing, into like, that's right. You guys probably did something to the colonel and that chicken. Somebody was probably talking about this, the the secret spices. Mm, no, I think it was the statue that was thrown in the river. Yeah, but you never know. And so here's the history of it. The 1985 Japan series, the Hanshin Tigers are located in Kansai, the second largest metropolitan area in Japan. They are considered the eternal underdogs of Nippon professional baseball in opposition to the 
Yo, Yomiuri Giants of Tokyo, who are considered the kings of Japanese baseball. The devoted fans flock to the stadium no matter how badly the Tigers play in baseball. In 1985, much to the nation's surprise, the Hanshin Tigers faced the Cebu Lions and took their first and only victory in the Japan Series, largely due to the effects of star slugger Randy Bass, later a state senator from Oklahoma, an American playing for the team. Randy Bass. What a cool name. It's a pretty cool name. It's not as good as Irish Power, but pretty good. Yeah, but still, you can play a lot with... Uh, what, what is his name again? Something Bass? Randy Bass. Randy Bass. Yeah, Randy Kick Your Ass Bass. Like, yeah, a little... Yeah, that know. was his uh, slogan when he was running for senator. It's, yeah, it's a good uh, sports <laughs> name. It's a good sports name. It is. The fan base went wild... And in a riotous celebration gathered at Ebisu Bridge in Dantabori, Osaka, on October 16th, three weeks before the Japan Series. There, an assemblage of supporters yelled the players' names, and with every name, a fan resembling a member of the victorious team leapt from the bridge into the waiting canal. (laughs) Jeez, this sounds like a kamikaze situation. Yeah. However, lacking a Caucasian person to imitate MVP Randy Bass, the rabid crowd. <laughs> this is so funny. The rabid crowd seized a plastic statue of Colonel Sanders. Like Bass, the Colonel had a beard and was not Japanese. <laughs> From a nearby KFC. Like Bass. <laughs> oh, man, this is great. And tossed it off the bridge as an effigy. According to the urban legend, this impulsive maneuver cost the team greatly, beginning the curse of the colonel, which states that the Tigers will not win the championship again until the statue is recovered. Subsequently, numerous attempts had been made to recover the statue, often as part of a variety TV show. What about the other dudes that jumped in the water? Did anyone try to recover them? Uh, Nah. (laughs) Nah, Sanders is the reason. So then they had an 18-year losing streak, which, based on what we've read so far, it sounded like they sucked before this, too. Right, it wasn't like they were just on top of the world for a while, yeah. After their success in the 1985 series, the Hanshin Tigers began an 18-year losing streak, Mm. placing last or next to last in the league. Brief rallies in 1992 and 1999 brought hope to fans, but they were soon followed with defeat. During this time, attempts were made to recover the statue, including sending divers down and dredging the river, but they all had failed. Fans apologized to the store manager, but the statue remained in the canal, and the tigers cursed. Um, Let's go to death in the canal. Maybe he's haunting the canal too. For twenty-four year, uh, for twenty-four year old Hanshin Tigers fan Masaya Shitabaka, tough last name there. I mean, not for them. <laughs> like if you're a foreign exchange student, <laughs> right. you hear it, then yes. But Masaya Shitabaka, the two thousand three celebration was a tragedy. He drowned in the canal, with all reports being that he had been shoved in by the revelers. To prevent future incidents, the Osaka City Council ordered the construction of a new Ebisubashi Bridge beginning in 2004, which will make it more difficult for fans to take the celebratory leap should the curse of the colonel be broken. So I'm fairly sure it's uh, Shirababa who's haunting them and not Yeah, the but colonel. they've been cursed since the statue. Right, right. Oh, okay. And that was, okay, I thought it was the same day. I think Shitababa got dragged in by the colonel. Mm, okay. They're blaming it on the revelers. Like the smell of the chicken or something? <laughs> exactly. He's he's like a mysterious siren that calls you to the river. Ooh. That's a spicy river, man. You can smell the, the herbs from, from, even from afar. The colonel was finally discovered in the Dante. Dantanbori River on March 1st, 2009. Divers who recovered the statue at first thought it was only a large barrel and shortly after a human corpse, but Hanshin fans on the scene were quick to identify it as the upper body of the long-lost colonel. 
<laughs> what if they... The colonel, he's back. It's the colonel. And then it was actually a human body. <laughs> the right hand and lower body were found the next day, but the statue is still missing its glasses and left hand. It is said that only the only way the curse can be lifted is by returning the long-lost glasses and left hand. I think they want the curse at this point. If they're like saying, no, we need the glasses... Oh, the statue was later recovered with replacement of new glasses in hand and returned to KFC Japan as the KFC restaurant that the statue originally belonged to no longer exists. The statue was now placed in the branch near Koshin Stadium. Which I take it is where they play, I hope. I hope so, too. Yeah. yeah, so... Pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Man, that of them just going we need a white guy and there's like <laughs> and ima- but imagine being in japan oh i can't you need a white guy well no you shouldn't imagine or else you would have gone thrown i've been in japan and okay i stood out like right. a so so imagine you are looking for a white man yeah you're like there's nowhere there's you, s- you see the colonel sanders you're about as white as you can get i mean his, his outfit his, his drip is white yeah and i've been <laughs> i've been knocking back some sake i'm gonna be like we're throwing that in the river yeah Man, that was uh, that's awesome. Now I'm hungry. Now I want to get some. Me AFC. too. Yeah, I hope when I get cursed though. No, you won't get cursed. Just you know, go at it politely. All right, so that's the episode. We did it. We went from the Blarney Stone to Curse of the Colonel. Once again, thank you all for tuning in. Any parting words, Jason? No, just uh, another reminder, guys, to please uh, like and review us on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Uh, and also, just uh, I'm glad you're enjoying. Thank you. Yeah, learn something. Bye. Bye.